You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. Everybody, welcome back to episode 81 of the Team Stripes Podcast, proudly presented by Acme Whistles, helping you make the big call since 1870. The legendary Acme Thunderer is now available in matte black. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ross. Ross, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. Just hanging out. Uh, I was in Minnesota for a few days to celebrate New Year's with uh, a good friend of mine. Got to skate outside, so that was uh, that was cool. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just hanging out with the pups and getting ready to uh, put my uh, nose to the grindstone, so to speak, with... Uh, 11 games between Wednesday and next Friday. Lovely. A little 11 skate- junior games, I should oh. say. First time skating outdoors? Uh, no, I've skated outdoors once before in New York. Good. Nothing nothing better than skating outdoors. Um, the best part about it was getting to watch some kids play shinny. Like, they're all, like, high school age. It, it was just fun. Like, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Um, um one rink they were playing without there were no nets or nothing perfect they're just skating around passing the puck and it was just it was just cool because like um that's just the game in its purest form i don't disagree with that at all do not disagree but speaking of uh you wanted to bring up the bubble that's going to happen for the USPHL. Yeah, so the USPHL last month decided that they were going to bring everyone down to Tampa. Um so this is the NCDC which plays in the Northeast, uh their premier which is kind of all over the place and the elite level which is also kind of all over the place. They're kind of they're a for those of you guys that don't know what it is, they operate outside of USA hockey. So like they're their own junior league. Um, use the NCAA rule book, the NCDC is their tuition free level. So kind of comparable to the NA. I don't know. One or two teams might be up there as far as skill level. I, I don't know. I've never seen it. So I I've heard some people say it's as good as the NA and others say other things. Um, but yeah, so they're coming down. We got referees coming in from all over because uh, unfortunately, most of the guys that are here don't really have the availability um, to be able to work a couple games a day while they're supposed to be at work, you know, doing their real job. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. That league's spending a boatload of money to bring all these teams down here. We're playing at four different rinks. Uh, we're playing at, in Wesley Chapel. There's a four sheet facility there. Uh, uh, single sheet in Lakeland. Uh, we're playing in Brandon, which is my home rink, and then also down in Ellington, which is like 30 minutes south of me. So, is it just going to be straight hockey all day long, pretty much? Uh, no, actually, there's only like three, four games a day. Most games are done by two o'clock. Oh, that's not bad, except at all. On, on, on the weekends, it goes a little longer, but during the week, the games are starting at like 9 a.m. And I think the last game starts at maybe one at the latest. That's not too but bad at all. It, it's going to be fun. Like I said, we got referees coming from all over. We're going to try to get some interviews knocked out while uh, while the boys are in town. Should be fun. Oh, for sure. It always is. Going from one bubble to another bubble, though, the World Juniors, I guess uh, today would be the gold medal game. 
Uh, we got Canada and the United States, which oh, they're they're going. Yeah, no, they, no rest. Correct. So it'll be Tuesday, so January fifth. Uh, wow. They'll play their gold medal game. I think it's a nine thirty puck drop on the East Coast, eight thirty Central. Okay. Uh, I think kind of going into this, a lot of people knew Canada was going to be in the gold medal game. Uh, after the round robin, I think it was kind of a guarantee they were going to be in it. I mean, their their quarterfinal game was, I believe, against the Czech Republic. No issue there. They played Russia Monday night, beat Russia 5 nothing. I mean, Russia didn't play good. I think they had 11 or 12 shots heading into the third period, something like that. Uh, USA, though, for the, I guess, coming in from Group B, I was hoping for it since the round robin because obviously there's nothing better than Canada USA gold medal. Uh, USA beat Finland. I believe I just finished watching the game, but I believe four, three four to three. Yep. They, uh, Finland, Finland was down three to one going into the third clawed their way back. Us scored a goal with like a minute and 15 seconds left, make it four, three. So, Again, Canada, U.S. gold medal. Uh, we also have Russia and Finland are going to battle it out for the bronze. As much as I want to say Russia is going to win the bronze, I think Finland's going to find a way to somehow either A, tie it really late in the game, as they did against the Swedes to beat them in the quarters, or how they did it against the U.S. I think Finland's just going to grind out play their game. But... Speaking of the World Juniors, we're going to do a preview show uh, on our YouTube page, so we will go a lot more in-depth into the gold medal game there. Um, So that's kind of all we have for the World Juniors. Obviously, it wraps up today. Go look at our YouTube page for the preview show. We'll go super in-depth there. But moving on, NHL training camps opened up. I believe it was December 31st. For non-playoff yeah, teams. Yeah, for the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And then the teams that did make the playoffs, it was like, it might have been today Jan- or January 3rd. Uh, yesterday was media day, I think. Okay. Saturday was media yeah, day. Yeah, so like January 2nd or 3rd, they opened up. So NHL training camps are back in full swing. We are, uh, it is now seven days away from when? the NHL. Uh, day. Eight days, eight days from this recording. Okay, yeah, eight days. That makes sense. Bad at math here. Um, But, I mean, look, we got the NHL back in eight days. Some cities are allowing fans. Some aren't. I know there won't be any Canadian teams with fans. I know Dallas is going to have limited seating. So Tampa, we're going to have fans. We haven't announced how many yet, but I have a feeling it's – I wouldn't be surprised if we have one of the bigger attendants – yeah, I think uh, Dallas said they were going to do like 5,000 or something. Yeah, we'll probably Tampa probably be somewhere around there. I it should be higher in in my opinion, but you know. But the governor of the state of Florida did say that if uh, all the sports teams are allowed to pack their fully pack their stadium to capacity, sorry. I was looking for the right verbiage. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of with everybody we're just happy hockey's back, NHL's yep. back. Uh, as we said before, it is going to be a shortened season, different divisions. To me, I think it's going to be a very interesting year with everybody only playing within their division. So you're it's only... definitely going to be the most unique 
hockey season or the second most unique hockey season ever after last year like yeah it's crazy world we live in right yeah but we don't have a whole lot on the training camps obviously they just started up um um uh, about the only thing i have on training camps is they are limiting access to them so like uh so like the lightning usually we have eh, four or five of us that get to referee scrimmages um they're only letting two guys do it yeah so i did not make the cut (laughs) yeah i uh i was working with a a buddy this weekend that he's gonna skate chicago's and they have to go through i think it was like two covid tests before they were allowed to enter the facility they were going to yeah. get COVID tested when they entered the facility. So, yep. that's really all I know. Um, obviously, by this time next week, we'll be on the eve of the NHL coming back or a day or two away, which is always nice. Um, one thing the NHL is doing this year, though, to make up for the lost revenue in tickets are the helmet ads. Yep. Now... Some people love them. Some people hate them. Ross, what is your opinion there? Um, I don't mind. They're so small. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, obviously, like the Capitals, it worked out for them. They got Capital One. Mm-hmm. So, seamless there. Um, I think Jersey has Prudential. No big deal. That's, you know, the, the title sponsor they're building. Same thing with the cats. And I think that's pretty much what everyone's going with. At least the ones that I've seen is the sponsor of the building with the naming rights is the one getting the helmet ad. Yeah. I mean, I know Pittsburgh's doing their PPG paint or whatever it yeah. is. Um, you know, it's such a small little sticker. Yeah, as long as as long as we're not getting like even if we get little ones on the jerseys, like I know like the Lightning use have Dex imaging on their um, practice sweaters, mm-hmm. and it's small. Yep, like three inch by two inch. You know what? Even if they go there on the sweaters, whatever. As long as we're not going full <laughs> European, European style hockey. <laughs> Um, I don't mind them on the refs. Obviously, we're seeing it at the World Juniors. Um, it is what it is. Like if we if we got to make money somehow, and we have ads on our helmets in the ECHL um, as the referees, we got the Hockey Monkey logo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the teams have lo- you know ads on their jerseys too. So it's any way to make money, I'm okay with as long as they're not obnoxious. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The only one that I've seen that I haven't liked is uh, the Flames. Their sponsor is Scotiabank. Um, they're yeah, they're they're a title sponsor, so it was a no brainer for them to get it. The only mm-hmm. issue is Scotiabank's logo when you put it on a red helmet looks like Carolina's logo. Mm. So it looks like a Hurricane logo, just a little bit different. Uh, so that's a little bit weird to me. Personally, I would like them more on the jersey, you know, just a little three inch by three inch, whatever it may be. I don't really care. I, again, it's one of those things like we're really only ever going to see it when we're zoomed in on a player on TV. Exactly. It's going to be so like, it's one of those things that we'll forget about a week into the season. 
yeah, it'll, it'll just kind of be normal. I mean, because we see it at the World Juniors, everybody has the big forehead stickers. Yeah. Some some teams bigger than other. I know USA has Chipotle. The Russians has Toy.RS. I don't know. It's obviously a Russian website. But, yeah. I mean, as long as it's nothing super obnoxious like the forehead exactly. stickers, I'm okay with it. I would prefer them on the jerseys. As for referees, I, I mean, to me it looks kind of funny to have a logo on your stomach. But, look, I, I mean, hey, whatever. I, mean, I would hey, wear if, one if if a company is paying the league money to wear it. Just you know, do exactly. it. exactly. I'm not going to be the one to Whatever. say no. I mean, to... it's just. I was Go just going to say it's just been par for the course over in Europe for so long now that if it makes its way over here, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, to go along with the NHL and NHL training camps, we've had a few signings, a few PTOs that we have to talk about. I so think... I'll, I'll start with the signing. I, I saw a really funny picture. It was a guy that tweeted he just bought and got his Boston Bruins Dano Char jersey. Yep. He puts on the jersey, sends out the tweet. What an awful day to get this jersey. The day Zedno Char signed, signed one -year deal. with the Washington Capitals. Yep. So... He signed a one-year deal at seven nine five. Um, I I have nothing to really say about that personally. I have no. I mean, I think he wanted to be in other Boston. Than, other than it's going to look weird seeing him in a Capitals jersey. Whatever. The only the only weird part as well is he has to now play Boston what nine or ten times next season. Yeah, like that's going to be yeah. a awkward. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean. That's you the know what, though? biggest knowing signing. how knowing the respect that he has from that organization, there won't be any bad blood or anything oh like no, that. I mean they're better they're better not. He's because... one of the class. He's one of the classiest guys in the NHL, from what I understand. So anyone Boston, him. I think what two cups at least? Uh, no, I think it was wasn't it just one in twenty eleven. It was definitely that one. Yeah, yeah, I guess only the one then. Um, but, yeah, he was, I, I guess, the biggest surprise out of all of the signings. I mean, no, nobody super major. Uh, you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois signed in Columbus at a two-year $10 million deal. Good on him for getting paid. He's he's always impressed me. He'll always be impressive, I think, and a, and a two-year $10 million deal says that. Dylan Strom yep. re-signed in Chicago at two years at $6 million. Hopefully he can find his game in Chicago. He was finding it a little bit late last season. Um, Phoenix had him originally. They, they traded him away. Hopefully he can, he can find his game in Chicago under the veteran leadership. And then one last signing, we had Ethan Bear uh, sign a two-year $4 million deal with the Edmonton Oilers. He really didn't come onto the scene, I would say, late-ish last year for the Oilers. Uh, mm -hmm. He's he's a solid defenseman. He's a he's on the smaller end, but from what I was watching of him, he can move the puck around on the PK incredibly well. So all that does is make the Oilers a little bit better, uh, which they need all the help they can get. But yep. for PTOs, um. Nobody really 
New... Yeah, really just the I mean the big thing with the PTOs is Mike Hoffman, which we already talked about. Yeah. So um, and I was listening to another podcast, and basically the PTO for Hoffman was only signed so they could get his rights and get him into training camp. Correct. While they're waiting on getting the long-term IR stuff taken care of for uh, Tarasenko and one or two other guys. Yeah. So, I mean, that one I, I we definitely did talk about. And, yeah, like, he's going to sign with St. Louis. It's not – he's not one of those guys on a PTO that, like, oh, no, he needs a good camp. Like, he's going to sign there. It'll be nice if he has a good camp, obviously. Mm-hmm. The only other – Big big one that I that really stuck out to me was uh, Travis Hamonic. He is signed a PTO with Vancouver. To me, he's a really good defenseman. He's only thirty years old. The Flames let him go. Uh, didn't re-sign him. I think he would be a great boost in Vancouver. He's a veteran. He's a leader. He's been there. He's done it. I I I think he's going to sign out of camp uh, as long as there's space. But I mean. For PTOs, it's generally guys, you know, either trying to get back in the league or trying to stay in the league. Scott Darling signed or signed a PTO in Florida. So he's trying to come back in the NHL after I think he's been out of it for two years now. But that's all I have for the PTOs uh, and signings as of late. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those PTOs hopefully turn into contracts. Some will, some won't. So we shall see obviously with training camp uh one big thing that i don't think we touched on the ahl has officially announced the starting date for february the 5th yep 28 teams said they're in uh the only three teams yeah the three teams that are out are charlotte uh, milwaukee and springfield and i believe those are charlotte's is carolina's Springfield's is not no Charlotte is not Carolina's anymore. Oh, I think Carolina's with I want to say Chicago Wolves. Oh, wow, not with any Florida yep. teams. Okay, no, it's the well, there's no American League in Florida. Fair, yeah. Uh, back in September, the uh, the um. Hurricane switched to have the Chicago Wolves be their affiliate. Which makes and I think that's the main reason why Charlotte's out is because they don't have an NHL affiliate right now. That's fair. Uh Milwaukee's also out in Springfield. I believe Springfield was St. Louis's, uh, from mm-hmm. my understanding. But they in the HL, they're gonna do a realignment just like the nhl did so they have the atlantic division canadian division north central and pacific yeah the atlantic has three teams um i would i would hate to be in that division because i I mean they're not just gonna play each other i i hope not but i that's gonna be could you imagine that would be horrible i mean hey play 50 games against the three of you yeah, and, and and if you think about it, I mean, like, the schedule would be like, oh, you play two weekends, get a weekend off, play two weekends, get a weekend off, uh-huh. which, okay, might not be too bad, but against the same two other teams all year long, I mean, that would suck. Um, yep. The Canadian division isn't much bigger. There's only four teams in that one. They are still waiting to hear if they will be allowed to play in Canada. Um 
I'm guessing because the NHL did, the AHL's not going to have that big of an issue. Well, no, I think the problem's going to be is they're probably going to have to cross the border if they don't isolate off that division, which they can't. There's only four teams in it. Okay, so then do you move the three Atlantic teams up into Canada or bring the four you, down? You, you got to do something. Because if if you combine those two divisions, which I think you have to, you're either moving Bridgeport, uh, Providence, and Hartford up to Canada. Yeah, I, honestly, in. dude, that's so above our pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even have um, I, I don't even have an opinion there. Yeah, or I mean, hey, you know what? Just play your fifty games against two other teams and play your fifty games against three other teams. That would suck, right. but. At least they get to play hockey. The North and the Pacific, uh, I don't think a whole lot's changed there, and same with the Central. But the AHL is going to be playing, and that's huge, I think, for everybody. It's obviously good mm-hmm. for hockey. I don't know anything about the AHL, except for it's obviously the minor leagues for the NHL. But they're starting February 5th, which isn't all that late, considering they always start a little bit after the NHL. So, mm-hmm. AHL's back, and that's awesome. Now, I want to talk about something that came up in the World Juniors a few, I guess it was almost a week ago now. Um, and it was the goal that the Germans scored against the Swiss. That It popped up on the Facebook page. Guy made a play. Um, the German player made a play, skated into the zone backwards, did not have the puck on his stick as he entered the zone. They called the play onside. The Germans ended up scoring. Now, Ross, you said it was onside. Yes. I said it was offside. Yes. So. All right. So where do you want to start? uh, Okay. So first of all, we made the mistake of talking about this before we were recording. That, That is true. So um, I'm just going to try to start. I want to walk through the play here. I'm down. So um, let me see here. Let me just kind of. So the German defenseman headbands the puck. Uh, this kid, I don't even know his name. But Suzuki like, or Suzuki or I think it's yeah, Suzuki. Uh, no, it's not Suzuki. He'd be, he'd be playing for Japan if that was the last name. He's, he's um, playing in Ottawa next season. That's all we know. Yeah. Oh, he did. He didn't even go back to Germany. He like he's going right to Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. He's going straight he's to playing Ottawa. in the NHL this year. Uh, anywho, so defenseman headmans it to him. He's skating backwards. He's got a Swiss defenseman on him. He accepts the pass. Gains possession and control of the puck when he accepts the pass. He then basically passes it to himself. He puts the he makes a skilled play to put the puck into open ice to go around the defenseman. So, you know, we're it's one of those things that when you're looking at the rule book, this is one of those weird ones that's not really covered. He's making a skilled a, a highly skilled hockey play. So he gains possession, control of the puck with his feet outside the blue line. And then he basically, like I said, he passes the puck to himself, essentially. 
to go around the defenseman. And yes, the puck leaves his stick before it crosses the blue line. His feet then go in the zone and then the puck come in, come in, comes into the zone after his feet do, which a lot of people are like, Oh, he, you know, he should be offside there. One comment says he lost control of the puck before he crossed before the puck crosses the blue line. He didn't lose control of the puck. He's making a skilled hockey play by putting the puck somewhere where he wants it to go. So in my opinion, and you know, the referees on the ice, which all they did have help from the guys up, up top mm -hmm. and the IHF and like, that's, that's going to be a good goal. Um, that's going to be a good goal in, in the world juniors. That's going to be a good goal in the NHL. Um, and, and any pro hockey that you're either going to have that review or the linesman says, yeah, that was, you know, a good call. Cause obviously the call on the ice was, you know, a good play at the blue line, um, which at full speed, you know, they, they, the linesman might not have actually seen that the puck did in fact go in after, but again, in the replay world that we live in, the guy makes a skilled play. And then, honestly, you could have almost called the defenseman there for an interference uh, based on the lane that he took to box out the German player who was going after the puck. And then, obviously, he scores. Yeah, so here's, here's my issue with it, and, and I think – talking about this beforehand what it really came down to is what your defin definition of possession and control is well yeah and and that's and that's exactly it like the definition of possession and control here is really what defines whether or not this play is offside or not because i agree yes he did make a skillful play but in in looking through the double ihf rule book from, from my understanding, from my interpretation of everything, you have to have possession and control. You have to have a puck on your stick mm -hmm. to have possession and control, not just possession yeah. or control. So, yeah. yes, did he make – did he gain possession and did he make a controlled play? Yes. I don't disagree with that. But then he went into the zone and then the puck came in after and he didn't have possession or control mm -hmm. of the puck because, look, it's it's sitting in open ice. Yeah. I just – like like I said to you before when, before we were recording, I, I re always remember back before USA Hockey and stuff changed their mentality on things, you were always in possession and control of the puck until the next guy got it. Or it hit the boards or it hit the net. Like, if it's just going to open ice, it's still technically your puck. I agree with so, the possession part, but not the control part there. Well. Because, you, yes, you, you are in I possession. Would, would, yes, but did he put the puck where he wanted it to go? Well, that's the thing. We don't know. I'm not a mind reader. In my opinion, with the way he made this play, yes. So technically he controlled it and put it where he wanted it to go. I I think it's it's so tough to say, oh yes, he controlled this puck. Like, did he put it to where he wanted it to go? 95% sure, yes. Yeah. But there's still a 5% chance that, you know what, he actually did mean to, you know, 
carry the yeah. puck in on his backhand well, and just went oopsies and forgot the puck for a hot yeah. second. Well, yeah, and there, there's that too, but I'm, these kids are so good, and this kid's going to play in the NHL this year. Oh, 1,000%. Like, it's just one of those things like when you get to the higher levels, and, and I've, I, uh, I won't uh, like drop a name, but I've had a discussion with a friend of mine who uh, is a NHL referee, and we talked about like similar stuff like this. He's like, the linesman, like a conversation, a goal like this happened in a game that he did. And he's like, and this is the way the linesman explained it to me. He's like, the guy made a skilled play. We're in the business. Obviously, we're the entertainment business. So we reward skilled plays and goals. Like, so that's just kind of the mentality there behind it. Um, In a youth USA hockey game, you're probably going to, blow that dead because that's a hundred percent accidental well and the kid's probably not going to get that puck anyway yeah exactly he's, he's probably so putting like, it off the defender skating out the zone but and again like we're looking at the you're looking at the best 18 or 16 to 20 year olds in the world mm-hmm. most a good amount of those kids are either playing in the nhl the khl some of the american league or you know whatever pro league from the country they represent Mm-hmm. So like these are all good hockey players and it's just it's a good skilled play and I'm just I'm very happy that uh I was happy with the call. I liked it. I thought it was um it was one of those plays too like as that linesman he very easily could have blown the whistle. Yep. And you know what? No one's going to say anything about it. But it's part of me on plays like this and you see it on goalie interference too. I almost feel like we're starting to get a little too reliant on video review. And I think that also could be, uh, we're not there. Like I'm not on the ice. I'm, uh, this world junior thing is way above my, my competency or skill level, whatever. Um, but it's one of those things like you see it night in and night out uh in in the nhl and maybe you know other leagues too that have video review where you have a play that's so close we're just gonna wave it or we're gonna point at the net and 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 if it's wrong we can fix it and let the video review handle it and you know what like i don't mind that because we're we're gonna get the call right one way or the other Mm -hmm. and wouldn't you rather let the play play out like, cause I, they started doing that in the NFL now where they don't hammer the whistle on something that, you know, like could be a, could have been a pass that hit the ground, but you know, the defenseman get, or the defensive player gets up with it and runs it back anyway. Yeah. And you know, before they would used to just pl- blow it dead, but they had enough plays where they shouldn't have blown it dead and the defending team gets the ball but they're stuck with it where they received it, not where the guy just ran off to. So I I think we're just kind of getting into that reliance on video replay, not saying that this is the case in this play. I mean, the the linesman very easily could have just made the best, you know, one of the best calls of his life on that line call. But at the same time, like, but I I think it was on site. I, I, I like the call. That's, I guess... Does that all make sense though? Like, yeah, no. For for me personally, sorry for going on a tangent, guys. No, it's I 
it's it's one of those ones that where we we have to talk about it because it's I mean, we're going to see 150 games in you know over the next year or whatever and that play will not happen. Mm-hmm. It it just won't unless kids start mimicking it and if they do there's going to be a lot of confusion. Um yep. I think the only way for cuz right now in the rule book there's nothing that backs that up as a good good wave. There, there's no there's no rule that says you can make a hockey play, a good hockey play mm-hmm. and will wave the offside. Now if they put that rule in which yeah. I, I I wouldn't mind if they did that. Like if you think he purposely made that good hockey play, which at that level he did, he meant to do that. I think they have to add that into a rule book um, at the higher levels of hockey. Not necessarily don't do it in youth hockey because no, the kid no. That is a Pandora's box. We do ex- not want ex- exactly. But like it, it, at this level, you know the double IHF level division one where these kids our NHL prospects, they all play major juniors. They all play pro hockey over in Europe. There needs to be something that says, Hey, look, you made a great hockey play. We're going to reward you for it. And there needs to be a rule that backs it. Um, And I think that was my biggest issue is you look through the rule book and there's nothing that says that plays onside. Yeah. And and I trust me, I, thoroughly understand your argument and and it's a good one because you are correct there really isn't anything that backs it up Mm -hmm. it's just one of those like it's an interpretation you kind of dig a little deeper you say okay this is a skilled hockey play very skilled we need to reward that because at the end of the day that's what the game's about is those you know those great skilled plays scoring goals um and i I just i think it was uh you know a well a a good call and um also i i do think we did miss a slash or an interference on uh on the swiss defense 23 right interfered with him no doubt i mean turns away (laughs) he does everything to interfere with him but i mean yeah I don't know. I don't know how you. But at that that point, the referee's probably like, "Wait, I think that play was offside." Oh yeah, if I'm the referee, I'm looking at my linesman like, "Uh, "Are you sure that Uh, wasn't offside? Are you you sure?" Yeah, but I mean, as far as review, I obviously look use it. You have it, but I also Mm -hmm. don't want to lean on a on the crutch. You know, don't use it as a crutch. It's it's definitely there as a good tool to get it right for these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we almost see a little bit too much of, of guys going, Hey, you know what? We'll wave this offside or we'll call this goal and we'll just go review it. And if we're wrong, Oh, well, not a big deal. Yeah. I think, you know, Well, now keep in mind, and, and this is something that goes on is these guys do get rated on. Oh, 1000%. So, like, they do get rated by how many they have overturned against them. Mm-hmm. So, it, it that's what now, not necessarily these guys in the world juniors, but mostly I'm talking about the National Hockey League. Well, I mean, these guys are, are getting graded on, you know, getting into the quarterfinals, semis, yep. and then into the finals, as yep. everybody that's worked any tournament knows. 
look, there's only one gold medal game. Only four guys are going to be on it. And there was 20 some odd officials working this tournament. Mm -hmm. There was guys that didn't make it to the quarters. At at the end of the day, like if this offside play is the biggest controversy to come out. Awesome. Awesome. Now, something that I kind of have to address. Let's um, hit it. About the some a discussion that happened in the Facebook group where a particular person uh, basically said um, the referees were trying to throw the game for Canada. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Um, so I don't know how many of our listeners were referees back when the NBA had that controversy with the, um, the referee that was gambling and doing all that kind of shady stuff. Didn't you make a good amount um, of money doing that? I don't know. I know that one of the kids in our local association who refereed here, his father is an NBA referee and they live next door to that guy. Oh, so there was news outside their house, this and that. Um, and then that summer i happened to attend um, a camp that no longer exists up in canada um, run by some nhl officials and that actually came up in in one of our discussions and uh, i've never seen guys get so like passionate about like well i mean guy we get passionate about stuff but man the the guy the nhl guys that were in the room were like it's embarrassing Mm -hmm. it questions every sport it doesn't just look bad for the nba it looks bad for everybody because you know obviously jokingly or maybe sometimes seriously coaches will be like oh how much did they pay you this and that okay then there was a controversy in the kind of to go along with with this comment uh, in the gold medal game of the 2002 Olympics in the women's game. Won't name the referee, um, but everyone, there was, there was a, an opinion that she being an American official was trying to help the Americans win, which is actually a reason why after that tournament, the IIHF made it to where you can't referee your own country mm-hmm. unless you're an NHL official. That was the deal they made with the NHL. Um, These guys that are out there doing this world juniors and pretty much any referee at any level from youth up to the NHL. And, and let's think about these guys at the world juniors too. Like all these guys are NHL prospects. Yep. Like they are on the radar to get to the show. Um, some of them might have been low on the list or maybe not quite on the radar, but they are now. And these guys, I, I could, I, I would put my life on, there's no way in hell any one of these, any one of these officials would purposely try to throw a game. If anything, they'd be calling more penalties on the Canadians just to kind of show that that's not what they're trying to do. I was going to say, I'm very interested to see the gold medal game, how hard it's going to be for Canada to get a power play. Right. Just, just, just in the sense <laughs> of the Canadian officials don't want to be the guys to give Canada a power play and Canada wins it one, nothing off that power play. I would not be surprised if that game goes without a penalty call. 
I mean, look, it's it's gold it's a gold medal game to begin with, so let the boys settle it is yeah. is my kind of mentality. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you really if if you think any of these officials even for a hot second are like, oh, you know what, if I wave this offside or I wave this icing, it's gonna help Canada or it's gonna help whoever and hurt a different team. I mean, you're in you're in La La Land because yep. at at this level you know what? Yeah, these guys are all Canadian, and you know what? But none of them are going to risk their future nope. of trying to get to the show on a, a junior game. Nope. I mean, so it, it, it was it was definitely so a sad at, thing to see. At the end of the day, I'm just going to leave it at this. If we want to bash other officials, like, that's low. Um, I, I, I don't think we should be bashing guys – question maybe if you do it the right way but don't bash but please don't question anyone's integrity no because we all know when we put on the stripes we put on our whether it be usa hockey crest hockey canada crest ihf nhl american league coast league you name it uh the professional beers beer league players (laughs) league whatever Uh, the integrity of the game is like the most important thing Mm -hmm. and I, I, it's just, you, you can't like it's, we start questioning that kind of stuff, especially within our own community and that gets out. Then, you know, you got the mainstream fans questioning and it just opens a can of worms that aren't even there. Yeah. So don't bash other officials, constructive criticism. Cool. But at the end of the day, please don't question a guy's integrity unless I don't even have it unless like no, I mean just don't just don't just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing I want to talk about before we, I guess, end the show is how do you feel about the warnings to centermen rather than tossing them? Because we've seen it in the World Juniors, NHL, uh, juniors okay, so down here in the states do it. The the NHL, it's only after icings. Um, yeah, it's only after icings in the NHL. Uh, the NCAA rule book is every face off instead of toss in the center, you just reset, give them the one. Yep. Um, I don't know what USA Hockey Junior is doing. Uh, res- uh, you get the warning, reset, and then okay, if so you they won again, they went- then it's the minor penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's standard. So, so it's just the reset. It's not yeah. Gas we don't center, pitch. but the guy that um the guy that because the you the rule in junior used to be the guy that messed up your face off couldn't take it. Correct. So if the back was winger the was the approaching, winger, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So I I think it speeds up the game. Um, if we do if we're doing it correctly, because mm-hmm. it, it's really one of those. Oh, you fucked up. Stand up. Blow your whistle or one blow your whistle, get right back down and let's go instead of lollygagging, trying to figure out who's going to take the face off this and that. Um, Cause the NHL obviously put it in to prevent guys from extending the time off that icing play. Correct. So I don't know. I like it. I don't mind it. I think it, it also, and, and think about it this way too, for the most part now, every team's got four centers. So now you're only dealing with eight different guys coming into the face-off circle all night. 
and you can set your standards as linesmen quick and early. And then you just hold it there and you don't have to worry about random guys coming in and take your face off. Cause let's be honest, that second attempt when a winger comes in to take it is always horse shit. Yeah. It's just throw your stick on. Cause the we're literally just trying to put yep. the puck down because none of us want to be that guy that says, Oh, fuck you. Delay a game. <laughs> yep. But so, so I see both sides of it though. Um, personally, I would rather be allowed to toss a center because that sends a bigger message. Um, I understand, especially in the junior level, having I the kids. I, I, take the I would say it's kind of an equal sent message sent, in my opinion. Well, the issue is, is I can warn you, mm-hmm. but it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect your team. So if the back wingers are cheating on me and mm-hmm. my partner goes, hey, that's one white or whatever, I look at white center. I say, dude, you better be perfect here as I put this buck down. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't affect the team. So what's stopping that same winger from the next face-off doing it again? Well, the next face-off, and they could do it every time. Well, exactly. And, and the finish, for some reason – this tournament have been excellent at that. I mean, the amount of warnings I think the Finns got tonight, even against the U.S., were, were I mean, astronomical because it's one of those things where you give the one and then the odds are of a linesman, you know, calling that second pa- the, the second warning to oh, make it a delay game. Zero. It's, it's none because you're just trying to put that puck down. Yeah. So there's no well, consequence for the cheating. Yeah, I get that. Um, but it's a pace of play thing because now that guy encroaches, you got to stand up. Okay. Which one of you two idiots is taking the face off? Mm-hmm. Come on over here, get everybody relined up where in this way you legit stand up one, blow your whistle, crouch and just drop it. Like you're firing it off in less than five seconds instead of waiting 10 to 15 to figure out, you know, your new center. I agree on the pace of play, um, but it's one of those things where if you're warning them every other face-off, it becomes at a certain point of, okay. Oh, it becomes it becomes a nuisance. Exactly. And then you look at your referee and you're like, But there's I nothing don't, you can do about I, it. Well, you don't want to be the guy to call the second one, right? Nobody, especially as a linesman. My job as a linesman is to make my referee's life easy and get the puck down. And also, too, like, we're taking the temperature of the game. If there's no reason to call that second one, don't. But, like, let's say the coach is being an asshole and, you know, you got your wingers being jerks the whole time. You might just have to do it. Yes, but I think it's a lot easier – in the first period is if the back wingers are being dumb or even if the front wingers mm-hmm. are being dumb, you look at the center and pitch him. And then yeah. you look at the center and be like, Hey, you're not taking this face off because of that winger right there. And mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times that centerman looks at to his winger and tells him to go fuck himself. Yeah. And then the next face off they're perfect because that centerman wants to take his face off. That centerman's well, out there for a reason. I, I think too, like, having experienced it at, at pro the you know the pro level and the junior if as a linesman i think if we do a better job of taking command of our faceoffs mm-hmm. we don't even have these problems cuz like my cadence is a little unique to me 
Um, the way I do it is I stand on the dot. Okay. Yep. So I stand on the dot, referee puts his arm down, I blow the whistle. And I still stand on the dot. I wait for the wingers. I get my wingers in front of me. Okay, you guys are good. I turn around while still on the dot. Wingers behind me. All right, on your hash marks. Spread out. Stay there. Don't move. And then I turn around, tell the centers, all right, let me uh, present the puck and then we'll go. So then I crouch and then I tell, okay, listen for me. And then I just say go. And then I put the puck down. Like I legit tell the centers when I'm dropping the puck and the wingers um, know because it just, it becomes repetitive. Mm -hmm. And to like, when I was working the SP full time, you know, I saw the same teams all the time. And I tell guys like, Hey, all you got to do is listen. You don't have to jump, stay still, listen. All right. White down, black down, go mm -hmm. done. So, but that's me taking command of the face-off circle. Whereas, you know, some guys might not necessarily, you know, everyone does it a little different. I'm not saying my way's right. Oh, whatever. But it's just one of those, like, I think if everyone were to take command of their face-off circle a little more and lay down the law early, we don't have the problems later. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with that at all because, I mean, I have kind of the same cadence as, as I, I stand on the dot. I check mm -hmm. the back guys first. I don't know why. I just check back guys first. I say hash mark circle. I look at the front wingers, and nine out of ten times you just look at them, and they'll move to where you need them to be. And yeah. then I look at my centers. I say, let me in, stick, stick, and pucks down. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that would make – I guess my life easier is in that first period when you are setting the tone for face-offs for the remainder of the game is it's really easy in the first period to pitch a center and be like, yo dude, it's that winger because yeah. then, then everybody knows that, Hey, we're not doing that tonight. We're mm -hmm. just going to line up. And if you don't want to listen to said instructions, cause they're not hard. Yeah. It's just stay on your hash marks, stay outside the circle. Yep. It's not rocket science. Okay. And, and it's it, to me, it sends a bigger well, yeah, message than able, just a warning. Being able to gas the guy. I mean, obviously that's the best thing because especially like if it's their first line center coming out and it's power play and they're banking on getting the puck right off yep. the bat. Like I get that. Like, but we're in the business of scoring goals and entertaining and you want the best guy available to take the face off. So that's the analytic side coming in and, saying hey here's what we want um so you just like hey bud your your wingers get it right or you guys go shorthanded and face off goes the end of the end of the ice yeah it's it's definitely a double-edged sword uh i don't think there is a right answer to it no, I there just, really there there really isn't like it can go you could do it either way so yeah i i it, it it was something that came up again on the facebook page and then like i actually was watching it during the finland u.s game and it's it's yeah it's it's one of those things even working junior hockey i mean working a league where you can't pitch a center it's it's weird but it makes sense but it's also frustrating but i understand it um so i think that wraps up this episode ross unless you have anything else you would like to add um but the only thing i got is if anyone else if anyone wants us to talk about any kind of other weird quirky or like because we're a referee podcast at the end of the day. Like, obviously we sit here, we talk about, you know, the schedule, the, this, the, that, 
but we really want to focus more on talking about the referee side of stuff. Yep. So we need more things like obviously that we had a good, um, good clip there with that offside and talking about the, the Finn team with the faceoffs. Like we just want more of that. And obviously with the NHL getting going here shortly again, we're going to have so much to talk about with every team in action. So um, yeah, that's, that's all I got. If you want to talk to us to talk about anything, let us know. Um, I'm going to go ahead and plug the team stripes Academy. If you want to improve your officiating and uh, learn from one of the best to ever do it, uh, Team Stripes Academy, learn from uh, Mr. Don Koharski and some of the other Team Stripes boys, uh, Jamie and Brandon Bourgeois and Logan and, and, and the likes. So, Yeah, and also our YouTube page is 13 uh, subscribers away from 1,000. As all of you know, we've been on the road to 1,000. There's going to be a massive giveaway. We are hopefully, hopefully, hopefully going to be able to announce what the uh, winners will receive, the top, you know, one, first, second, third. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you were the very first subscriber or the 1,000 subscriber. You're all going to be put into a random, like, Google engine that just pops out a name. And obviously being 13 away, that means you only have 13 more spots to be the first 1,000 subscribers. After that, we cut it off. So if you're 1,001, you miss out. So if I were you guys, I would go subscribe today right after listening to this because you definitely want first place. Heck, I would even be happy with second place. You know what? I'd probably even be happy with third place because – it's going to be a great giveaway, a great contest, and we are 13 subscribers away, which is awesome. So, Yes, I'd love to get that by next week. Oh, that would be amazing. Um, so thank you guys for listening to episode 81 of the Team Stripes podcast. As always, uh, we have a massive, massive shout-out to our sponsors at Acme Whistles. You can go to our store at GoTeamStripes.com and buy an Acme Whistle. The black ones, the silver ones, chrome one, whatever you want. We have them. They're awesome. I love Acme. And have a great week, guys. Mm -hmm.